on, do you feel that way tonight? Come on, would you really rather have Jesus than anything? God, I say that from the bottom of my heart tonight, Lord, I would rather have you than silver or gold or houses or land. God, take this whole world, but give me Jesus. Amen. I would rather have Jesus. Thank you, praise team and choir, for leading us in worship tonight. What a wonderful presence of the Lord is here tonight. I feel like God is up to something great tonight, and I am thankful to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, would you turn with me to Luke chapter 17? Amen. And while you're turning to Luke 17, I want to say that any dollar that you give to a kid to go to camp or NAYC or any kind of thing like that is not money that you're spending, but it's an investment. We've talked lately about some of our what used to be young people who are now hyphen and some of their turning point in their life was at one of these conferences. That they went troubled and confused and not really knowing what they believed or where they stood, but somewhere at one of these conferences or at camp, God reached down and turned their life literally around, put callings on them, straighten their way and they're here tonight because somebody here gave amen we're not we're not saying that so that you'll cover the bill we're not saying that so you'll cover the cost of everybody to go to camp and NAYC but I'm telling you it is worth every bit of investment for our kids and our young people because if they step off the scene then the church is done in, in regards to right here at Greater Life Church. God's going to have a people. But we ought to invest in our people here, in our young people, in our children. Amen. And give them the opportunity to experience camp, NAYC, whatever it may be. Amen. But I am thankful tonight, amen, to be in the house of the Lord. What a wonderful service we had this morning. The presence of God was so strong here today. I feel that same presence here tonight. Luke 17, verse 11 says, And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers which stood afar off. They lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves under the priest. And it came to pass as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And tonight, for just a little while, and I have felt this so strongly this week for this service tonight. And I want to preach to you on this subject. When faith asks you to walk away. When faith 
ask you to walk away. Father, we love you tonight. We thank you for your presence that is already in this place. For what you've already begun to do. I pray right now, God, that you would anoint these lips of clay. God, anoint the ears, oh God, that would hear your word tonight. Quicken somebody. Strengthen their feet and their legs tonight. For the journey that they are about to take and embark on. As they walk into the destiny, O Lord, that you have set before them. We believe your word is truth. And we can stand on it and rely on it and trust it tonight. And we do that, God, as we praise you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. You can be seated tonight. Circumstances in this life, as you have found out, can be very difficult. Things that we go through and face push some of us to our very limits. Everyone has something in their life that they wish right now that they could change. We all can sit back tonight and think of things that we want to be different in our circumstance. And we know our shortcomings. And we know our limitations. We know where to go and who to turn to when life gets chaotic. Even people who once upon a time lived for God or perhaps those that have never lived for God, when trouble arises or things start going crazy in their life, you're the first one they call. You're the first one they reach out to because they know that you pray. They know that you call out to a God who can answer prayers. Song says, where do I go when there's no one else to turn to? Who do I talk to when no one wants to listen? Who do I lean on when there's no foundation stable? I go to the rock. I know that He's able. I go to the rock. Are there any people that have been to the rock before? And you know that He's able and you know that He answers prayer. We know where to go. But oftentimes we go over this passage and we tell it a little differently. In Sunday school, we told it differently. And perhaps even preaching it, I am guilty of delivering it differently. Now most of the time we focus on the latter part of the story where the one comes back thankful. But I want to hone in on the first part of this encounter for just a little bit tonight. We know about leprosy. We have heard it preached even here within the last few months of what leprosy is and what it does to the body. And we're not going to waste time tonight going over all of those details. We know what the outcome and social separation looks like to the leper. It literally forces you to be close to no one. It forces you to not allow anyone to come near you because you have seen the proof that you have this issue. It literally keeps you mentally distant probably more than it ever did physically. 
And physically, having leprosy did put you at a distance from others. But mentally, the place that it put you in was a torment that they can't get by me and I can't be by them. I can't be with my loved ones. I can't go to church. I can't go to the market. I can't go do anything that I need to do because of my condition. And so more than the physical distance that had to be kept, that mental block that could not be shaken poisoned their thinking constantly. We know what the leprosy does. And there is this little lie that crept in that says, you know, they really all would be better off without you. Your loved ones would be better off if you just kept your distance. Your church family would be better off if you just found somewhere else to attend because of your problem, because of your shortcoming, because of your failures. You'd be better off going somewhere else where you're accepted in their community, where you're accepted because of your hang-ups. But for these men, it appears that they had forgotten that there were lines between Jews and Samaritans and remembered only that they were men who were in need. That there was this one named Jesus who they had heard about. And it didn't matter what you look like. It didn't matter who was worse condition, you or me. All that mattered is Jesus was in our vicinity. And you need to be healed. And I need to be healed. And you need to be healed. And they need to be healed. So why not go to Jesus and let's see what he can do about it. But in my remembrance of this story, and I've even talked to some others this week, and I said, just tell me what you remember of this story. And we all shared it the same exact way. That Jesus heals these men, sends them on their way to go be looked upon by the priest, and then one of them comes back and is thankful while the other nine went on their way. That's the story that I remember in a nutshell. And even tonight when we read our text, perhaps that is what you got from it because that's what you were taught in Sunday school or that's what you have taught. But go back with me to our text. It said, There met him ten men that were lepers which stood afar off. Why? Because they were lepers. I can't be near Jesus. I can't get close to Jesus. I can't get to the altar. I can't go and pray around my youth group. I can't go and pray up there with all of those people because they're holy, they're clean, they're perfect. But look at me. Look at my issues. Look at the things that, that are going on in my life. Don't you understand why I can't come to you? Jesus, don't you understand why I'm so far away? And they are being mindful of their condition and they know what happens when they get too close to somebody. So they keep their distance. And we've said it before and I'm going to say it again. Anything, whether it be fear or anxiety or depression or guilt or shame or leprosy or sin or an addiction or anything that puts you in a place where you feel like you don't deserve to be in the presence of the Almighty. 
anything that would cause you to feel like you need to isolate yourself and you need to shun yourself and keep your distance and, and not get too close to the people of God and, 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 and the shame and guilt and self-condemnation that comes is a lie from the devil himself. And you ought to stand tonight in your spirit or physically if you want to and say, I rebuke that thinking in the name of Jesus. I will not allow myself to keep a distance any longer because not one of us are perfect. Not one of us deserve His kindness and His goodness and His love for we were all imperfect once upon a time and we all are in need of a Savior that can heal us. Forget just a moment that you're a Samaritan. Forget just a moment that you're a Jew. Forget just a moment that you got a suit and a tie on tonight and just say, you know what, I just need Jesus. I'm in a place where I'm not perfect and I've got scars and I've got wounds, but I need Jesus. But it said they stood afar off and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now you don't lift up your voice to somebody who's standing right beside you. Jesus! But when you're here and he's way over there, Jesus! I can't get to where you are and I'm not worthy for you to come to where I am. But can I just holler out from where I'm at? Can I just holler out to you from where I'm standing and say, I need you. I need you to heal my body. I need you to save my soul. I need you to deliver me, Lord. Have mercy on me. They begin to cry out to Jesus to have mercy and Jesus does not heal them and send them on their way. That's what I remembered, but I remembered wrong. It says, and when he saw them, I hear you hollering, but I see you. He said unto them, go show yourselves unto the priest. Nothing's changed. What do you want me to show them? I'm the same man that they deemed unclean. I'm the same man that's messed up and has fallen and failed time and time. I'm the same one with scars. What on earth do I have to show them that they haven't already seen. They already know I'm no good. They already know I'm a leper. Why would I put myself through that humiliation and walk into the house of God with all of my struggles and all of my problems and come to the altar when they all know what I did and they all know what I said and they've seen my past and they know my reputation. Why would I do that? What can I show them other than something they haven't already seen? And here it is that it is so very easy to lose hope. 
It's in this place where everything the critic says has come true. Up to this point, God hasn't healed you. God hasn't delivered you. He hasn't set you. What are you going to go show them? You're still the man you were when you got here. You're still the same sinner that walked in those doors this morning. You're still the same one with the same problems that came and lifted their hands here today. And you're sitting there looking at your circumstances and you're saying, yeah, you're right. Nothing has changed. Well, we like the story better when Jesus heals and then sends me away. We like the story better when we get to shout and we get delivered and then we get to walk out of the presence of God. We like everything answered right here and right now and then go tell somebody, look what the Lord has done. We like that part. But here, it says now, God just ups and asks me to leave in my condition. God sees me in my struggle and He sees what I'm going through and He sees my scars and He says, now leave. Go show yourself to the priest. can only imagine what was going on in their head because I have been there before. I've come with such great faith and high expectation and knowing who I was approaching and knowing who I was hollering out to and knowing who saw me and then walking away and nothing has changed. Mm. Walking away, and there's still that pain in your body. You had such faith. You believed that God could do it. You've seen Him work miracle after miracle, and yet when I come to the altar and pray, and then I leave the same way that I came in, we have all left without the results that we were looking for. We have all been let down, disappointed, and discouraged by my circumstances not changing and as hard as it is sometimes we must remember that God is not slack concerning his promises and that he is still a healer and he is still a deliverer and he is still a promise keeper he is still a way maker he is still a light he is still a savior He is still a redeemer. Well, He hasn't done it in my life. I still look the same. Oh yeah, I know, but He's still a healer whether He's healed you or not. Well, I'm still bound. Well, He's still a deliverer whether you're bound or not. But I have come to encourage someone here tonight. Don't write Him off once you leave. Don't come into the house of God with that high expectation and leave and let doubt creep in because nothing has changed. Well, I went to church, Brother Landon, and nothing changed in my life. I went to the front just like the preacher said and my circumstance has not changed. 
and I, I, I felt the touch of the people praying for me, but nothing changed. Nothing changed when the pastor came and laid hands on me. And even two weeks ago on Sunday night, we prayed and you had such great faith. I felt the prayer of faith that Sunday night as we talked about what faith can do. And some of you are saying, I came and y'all prayed for me and you laid your hands on me and my circumstance did not change and my situation did not get any better. And we had such great faith, but then I walked away without any difference in my life I walked out of here without joy and peace I walked out of here feeling hopeless and we're like Jairus we come to God because of a bad situation and when we come to God somewhere between that and now my situation went from bad to worse God now things have gotten worse since I have come to you since I prayed since I started fasting. God, it seems like every step I try to take forward, there's an adversary pushing me two steps back. These men come to God and yell out and then they are asked to walk away. And then something wonderful happens. Not the healing just yet. Oh, that happens. But something wonderful happens in the lives of these men when obedience takes place. Before the healing ever came, before the shout, before the one returns back, there was some men there that said, okay, I don't know what I'm going to show them. I don't know what's different about me, but okay. Okay. Do not ever discredit an act of obedience. And do not ever downplay an act of disobedience. Romans 5 and 19 said, For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one, shall many be made righteous. So do not ever think that your act of obedience is for naught. Because it could be that me obeying will help a whole lot of other people get on the right path. That by me saying, yes, Lord. That by me turning around and saying, I don't know what this is going to look like, but ready, set, go. I don't know what I'm going to show them, but I'm going to step out and act in obedience. When I don't know what the final product's going to look like. I don't know what it's going to be in five years or ten years. But right now, I say, yes, Lord. Right now, I turn and I take that first step in walking in the direction that you have set me on. Obedience is something that will outlive you. God told Isaac, because your father Abraham obeyed. 
because he had obedience in his heart. You and your seed shall be blessed. Everybody that comes from your lineage will be blessed. Not because of what you did, but because your father said, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, to your will and to your way. Yes, I'll obey. Yes, I'll walk in a land that I don't know where I'm going because you said leave and I said yes. What blessing comes to those who obey? 1 Samuel 15, 22. Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. Do not ever forget how much God appreciates it when you just obey. When you just say yes. When you don't sit there and argue and you don't sit there and complain, but you just simply lift your hand and say, okay, okay, I, I don't get it. I don't understand, but yes, I'll do it. Now I know what I would have done in this scenario because I've done it. I know what it's like to be told, not right now. I know what it's like to come with faith and expectation and call out to God and then all of a sudden I leave and I'm looking and my circumstance has not changed. When I am disappointed and when I'm not met with the results I wanted. And I know we give the nine a bad reputation of being unthankful and rightfully so. But one thing we cannot dismiss was their obedience to what Jesus told them to do. Because I have been guilty before of not just not going back and saying thank you, but I have been guilty of not turning and walking in obedience. So I can't shame the nine when they've did more than I've done. I can't shame them when they obeyed, when their results did not change and their circumstance was not any different. I've been guilty of wanting to sit and hash things out with God after I've called out to Him and He says, go show yourself to the priest. I've been guilty of saying, but God, You haven't done anything yet. I'm still in the same mess. I'm still in the same trial. I'm still in the same storm. I'm still hurting. I'm still dealing with this anger. I'm still dealing with this depression. And I want to sit there and go back and forth with God instead of just saying, okay. Instead of just turning and walking away to God. And God is wondering tonight, what do you do when faith asks you to walk away? I've been guilty of wanting to sit there and negotiate with Him when things haven't gone my way. And I've been guilty of hearing what he said and, and knowing what I'm supposed to do but not wanting to do it because it wasn't what I wanted. But the Bible says, and it came to pass that as they went. Hey, bro. Hey, bro. It's yours too. Your circumstance is changing too. Your attitude is turning around too. So, something's, something that we've been dealing with, we're not dealing with anymore. Oh, I'm so glad that we said yes. I'm so glad I didn't sit there and argue. I'm so glad we just started walking in obedience.
sense because look at me I'm clean look at you you're clean look at us all we're all made better because we said yes to God even when we didn't see it in the first moment all we did is go along the way and as they went I believe with every step they took another nub came back and another limb came back and their ear came back and the nose came back with every step and act of obedience they were better and better and better as they went along just because you're walking away from the miracle worker does not mean you're walking away from your miracle God could be setting you on the direction of your destiny God could be saying turn around and go show yourself to somebody because by the time you get there you won't even be able to recognize yourself when you get to where you're going you're not going to have that scar anymore you're not going to have that issue anymore all you got to do is say yes Lord all you got to do is walk by faith I'm not saying you walk away from God and I think you know that I'm not saying you turn your back on truth and I'm not saying you walk away from the church but God may be trying to point you in the direction of your deliverance when he walked away and they walked away when they did what he said and simply obeyed some of us have been asked by God to respond and walk away but because I haven't gotten what I wanted out of this yet I'm sitting here hashing things out with God until we somehow get to my way not common ground but my way that I have the right to sit here and play tug of war with God but something happened as they went. Something happened as they began to walk. And there's a difference when you walk away. Oh, bless God, he didn't do it. Preacher didn't come pray for me. Nobody came and laid their hands on me. Oh, I, he's never going to do it. I've had this pain my whole life. God's always going to do it. God's always going to be this way. And when you just walk away and say, Okay, Lord. Okay, Lord. Oh, yeah, I feel different already. I feel different already when I just begin to walk in obedience. When I begin to walk and take that step, something happened as they went. My healing may not come in haste, but my healing may come when I take a hike. When God says, Hey, hit the road, Jack, start walking. Just start walking. Somebody needs to say that in their spirit. I just got to start walking in obedience. I've just got to obey. Don't misunderstand tonight. God can heal in an absolute instant. I'm so thankful our young people got to see that this week at camp. And God do an instant, spontaneous work. God still can move in a moment. God still can save in a moment. God can heal lepers and then send them away. But for these ten, God said, I want them to just start walking in obedience. And then, let's see what happens. I want them to just start taking the steps. Oh, they take steps with AA. 
they take the steps with Dave Ramsey and get financial freedom? Will they take my steps? Will they just turn around in faith and start walking and saying, I don't know where I'm going. I want them to begin putting one foot in front of the other because sometimes healing is not an instant thing. There are steps that need to be taken before you can fully recover. I know you have faith, but can you still keep your head up when faith asks you to walk away? Faith is great, but faith without works is dead. And when you've taken those steps and somewhere along the way you are healed, be sure that you take that extra step and you go back and express your thanks. Be sure, I'm already taking the steps. I'm already walking. I'm already going somewhere. But on my way, when everything begins to change and I begin to look at my life, I pray that something does quicken in my spirit that causes me to go back and say, thank you for making me walk. Thank you for making me walk away. Thank you for making me keep the faith even when my circumstance didn't change in the moment. So often once a man has gotten what he wants, he never comes back. We ought to thank God for making us walk away. For making us take the extra step. Going that extra mile. Thank God for making you press further. Even when you could have been discouraged. Could it be if we didn't allow that delay is denial thinking into our mind? That when we come to an altar and we're praying and we're sitting here with high faith and high expectation and people are laying hands on us and rallying around us and praying for us and believing with us and when it all dies down and Brother Clytee's done playing and, and the ushers are standing back there ready to turn off the lights and you to get out of here and you're sitting there but you start walking away and you not walk out like this but you walk out like this and you make it to the foyer and all of a sudden you start stumbling and you're saying, oh yes, I I feel something different already. And then you get out to your car and you're trying to open the car door and the power of God would hit you so mightily and you started speaking in tongues in the parking lot and you got home and you walked in the door into your bedroom and you're still speaking in tongues, still feeling that touch from God and saying, oh God, I'm glad I didn't lose my faith when I turned away I'm glad that when you didn't respond at the altar I didn't lose my hope but you wanted to see how I responded when you didn't do it in a moment when you didn't do it my way when you didn't do it in my time and then somewhere on my way you got a hold of me and you started working that I'm at work on a Monday morning and fire touches my back and I lift my hands and say I'm healed I'm healed that I'm at work on Tuesday and I'm talking to somebody and all of a sudden the Holy Ghost falls and I just let out a shout and a dance and say oh yeah something just shifted how do you respond when faith says walk away when faith says go 
Show yourself. Go out the door. Leave. How do you respond when you almost feel rejected? But it's not God rejecting you. It's God saying, will you respond in obedience? Will you say yes? Will you obey my voice and my nudge when I'm telling you to go? We've got faith when everyone's around believing with us. We've got faith when the tangible healer is in proximity of our voice. But what about when He asks you to walk away? We want to be healed as we come. But the Bible says these were healed as they went. We step out in the aisle and we start coming to the altar. I hadn't felt anything yet. I'm, I'm coming in faith and believing. And God said, I'm not wanting to see how you come. I want to see how you leave. I want to see what happens when I don't respond. I, I just, just for kicks, I want to see if you still have faith in me or if it's just faith in a moment or faith in your friends and faith in the preachers that are going to lay hands on you or do you have faith in me? Do you have faith that I am still able to work in your life? God is calling out to someone who wants to be different and you won't change, but God is challenging you to walk in obedience. Go show yourself to the priest. Walking God's way isn't going to be the most crowded way. Walking in obedience may seem like a lonely road. For it was only the three Hebrew boys that did not bow. Elijah said, I, even I, only remain a prophet of the Lord, which was not true. But that's where he felt. That was the moment he felt like I'm in this alone. I feel like I'm all by myself. And even the Lord Himself on the cross cries out, Why hast thou forsaken me? Because the road to obedience often feels lonely. The road of walking in faith. You're looking around and nobody else may be walking with you. Nobody else may be in close proximity to you when you're healed. When you walk in obedience, you feel like you're walking alone. But if God could open your eyes, that you might see that there are more that are for you than they that are against you. Einstein said, what is right is not always popular. And what is popular is not always right. But he didn't come up with that by himself. Matthew 7 says, Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in therein. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. If you're looking for the crowd, then you're going to be going the wrong way. But if you're turning around and just walking in obedience... Don't look for shortcuts to God. Don't look at what everyone else is doing. Don't worry about what's in style and the direction everyone else is heading. Acts said it was an untoward generation. The word untoward there is the word that we get scoliosis from. It's twisted. It's crooked. It's turned away from its original intent. Everyone else may be going left, but God is looking for somebody that will get right and start walking in obedience. John 4 said there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. In verse 47 in John 4 says, When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down. I, I need you to come to me. 
I need you to come to where I'm at because my son is sick. I want you to heal my son for he's at the point of death. Then said Jesus unto him, except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. The nobleman saith unto him, Sir, come down ere my child die. I need you to come to my home or my child is going to die. And Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way. You didn't hear me. My son is going to die. Go. God, my circumstance has not changed. My son is home dying. Go thy way. Thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him and he went his way. Okay, God, I pray that when I get home, there's something different. When I walk in that door, I pray that when I get home, I don't hear crying, but I hear rejoicing and shouting. He didn't even make it home yet. And as he was now going down, his servant met him and told him saying, thy son liveth. Thy son liveth. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for making me turn around and walk home. Thank you, God, for sending me away. Thank you, God, for answering my prayer. He asked the servant, when did this happen? He said, oh, it was about this time yesterday. Woo! (laughs) That was the same time that I was there with Jesus. The same moment we're praying. The same moment I'm talking. It didn't happen there. But he was already working. All I had to do was turn around in obedience. Let's all stand in this house tonight. If the man had turned irritable, if he had been too proud to accept that rebuke about seeking a sign, if he had given up despairingly on the spot because it didn't happen and Jesus didn't come with him, Jesus would have known that his faith was not real. It had to have been hard for him to turn away and go home with Jesus' assurance that his son would live. Yet he had faith enough to turn and walk back about 20 miles. How do you walk 20 miles? Just start walking. And as he went, and as they went, and as they started walking, as they started moving, as they started obeying, something shifted. Because the man believed the word. Not the moment, not the goosebumps, not the feel good but the word that word will go out with you you can take that word out with you and even when pastor's not there even when your your neighbor's not there to pray with you you can take that word with you and you can say you said it 
You said it. You said it. You said it. You said it that thy son liveth. You said it. I know everything's the same, but that's all about to change. What will your response be when faith asks you to walk away? Peter, what will you do when he calls you from the boat that you're in? Come. As he went, he started walking on water. He did what no man could do. He did what no man could do when he just took God at his word. Lazarus, yes, you're going to live. And you are going to be free. But first, I need you to come forth. We saw it last Sunday. Not all steps have to be like this. Just start going. Just start moving. Joshua, Jericho can be yours for the taking. Just tell me what to do. Nothing's changing. Don't get discouraged. Just keep walking. Just keep walking. Because for somebody here tonight, you are one step away from that breakthrough that you have been praying for. You are one step away from that healing touch that God promised you. Maybe he asked you to walk away today. Maybe last Sunday he asked you to walk away and you left discouraged. But tonight, God is asking somebody, go thy way. Go show yourself to the priest. Just start walking in obedience and just see what happens. Get out of your comfort zone. And just take that step. And then take another step. And then take another step. And before you know it, you're looking around at yourself. And you're saying, my God, He's already done it. Oh, He's already done it. And I'm not even there yet. I haven't even made it to the priest. I haven't even made it to my next doctor's appointment yet. I haven't even made it to my court date yet. But God has already turned it. God has already begun to work as they went. Right now, if you are physically able in your body, I challenge you to step out of your pew and I want you to just start walking. Just start walking in obedience and faith. Whether you want to do that figuratively or literally. I walked up to a church one night and we got there late. We pulled up into the driveway of the church. 
and outside the church while church was going on on the inside there was a man with a tambourine and he was walking outside the church hitting that tambourine shouting and rejoicing last year our young people that went to youth camp on the last night the doors were opened the young people began to walk out in the parking lot they began to walk around and pray and shout maybe the church needs to get outside of these walls maybe that's why God's saying walk, leave go out there we've seen it We've seen it, but somebody out there needs to see it. Somebody out there needs to see that I can still heal the leper. I can still open blinded eyes. I can still deliver. I can still set captives free. Come on, lift your hands all over this place tonight. Come on, take a step of faith. Take a step in obedience. God, this is how I will respond. When faith asks me to walk away, I will not be discouraged. I will not be downtrodden. I will not walk away in defeat. But I will walk in obedience. I will walk saying, My God can move mountains. My God is still able. My God is working even while I am walking. Come on right now in your spirit. Walk. Walk. Come on, you came to the altar. Now walk. Oh God, right now, God, I put one foot in front of the other. I take a step of faith. I take a step in obedience. I don't know what my next job is going to look like. I don't know when my next paycheck will come. But God, I'm going to walk away with obedience in my heart. God, even in this place tonight, if I am not met with the expectation that I had, I've got to walk away knowing that my God is able to do exceeding abundantly above what I could ask or even think. Hatarabo kosata yarabaka yamaha.